Welcome to the CSIS Cogit Asia podcast, where we think deeply and reflect on policy in Asia. I'm your host, Will Coulson. In this episode, we assess China's latest five-year plan. For the People's Republic of China, historically, no document has reflected the legacy of its Soviet-style economic planning and Marxist-Leninist system than the release every five years of a new, comprehensive blueprint for social, economic, and political priorities. In late March of this year, the Chinese leadership released China's 13th five-year plan. President Xi Jinping and other leaders have worked on the latest plan for more than two years. These days, the plan provides more of a strategic vision than the micromanagement of specific resources in Chairman Mao's time. Still, this five-year plan has key implications for the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to simultaneously move China towards a more market-driven economy while ensuring the party's continued legitimacy by improving the quality of life for the Chinese people. My colleague Jeffrey Bean sat down with Dr. Scott Kennedy of the CSIS Freeman Chair in China Studies to break down the elements of the plan and discuss findings from a new CSIS study, Perfecting China, Incorporated. Here's their discussion. Hello, my name is Jeff Bean, editor of the CSIS Asia Policy blog, Kajit Asia, and producer of the Kajit Asia podcast. Uh, my guest today is Dr. Scott Kennedy, Deputy Director of the Freeman Chair in China Studies and Director of the Project on Chinese Business and Political Economy at CSIS. Scott, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Scott, the Chinese Communist Party leadership released the newest and latest and greatest 13th five-year plan uh, in late March, uh, although key factors uh, of the plan have been described uh, on a couple occasions. Prior to that, this is sort of the formal release, but it went relatively under the radar. Now, I want to get into the substance of this uh, in a moment, but first I want to take a step back and, and talk a little bit about what is a, a five-year plan for China and what is its role in, in China's economic, political, and, and social planning. Sure. Um, that's a, a great question to begin with because it would seem weird that uh, any country on the planet today would, would have five-year plans, and certainly even after almost 40 years of market reform that China still has these plans seems a little bit odd. Nevertheless, um, it does uh, use plans, uh, these five-year plans, as a way to conduct a strategic review top to bottom of economic and social policy. Uh, in the past, uh, during the central planning era, these five-year plans were very detailed instructions on what should be produced and where and by whom. Uh, since the reform era, they've become more like indicative plans where goals have been set. Uh, and in the last three plans, the focus has moved beyond just uh, economic issues, but a broad variety of, of, of social issues as well. Uh, but and, and so this is their, uh, chi the Chinese effort at navel-gazing uh, to do a self-analysis and, and put forward uh, their vision for where they want to go in the future. Why is that important for a country as, as large and uh, multifaceted as China? We tend to think of the Chinese uh, as planners, people with uh, strategic vision, people who don't act in an ad hoc way. And of course, many times you, you have to respond uh, to the moment and policy isn't necessarily the product of a long, long-term uh, thinking and strategizing. When you're trying to move from uh, poor to wealthy, from undeveloped to developed, uh, and, and have a much larger role in the global economy, you can't do that simply by uh, 
making it up as you go on the fly, even though there's some amount of that. Um, and China's political system is organized in a way in which local officials, f- uh, officials and ministries need clear signals from the top uh, to determine what their priorities are, how their work is measured. The five-year plan is the ultimate guidance document to them to give them instructions and to measure their performance. For a country like China, where policy planning can at times be opaque, particularly for those on the outside uh, watching China, how is the 13th five-year plan process that you and, and Trish Johnson have analyzed, how does it offer a window into sort of governance in China? It's a, a fascinating process. I should say that this window is covered with dirt, grease. China has a very non-transparent policy process. So to get an understanding on how the plan was put together required a lot of interviewing, a lot of reading of different documents, reports, uh, publications uh, that are in China to try and piece things together. And we still can't say that we have the definitive analysis on exactly every step. But but largely speaking, there's sort of um, I think we can say there's three things that you can say about the, the planning process. The first is that it's very long. It's two to two and a half years in length, uh, beginning with a review of the previous plans, targets, and whether they were reached, and if not, why. Uh, then a bunch of research projects on current issues, uh, and then uh, the drafting of a summary proposal, and th- the plan itself, and then uh, passage by China's National People's Congress. So the first thing is that it's very long to go through all those steps. The second thing uh, that's important is this is a whole-of-government approach to, to putting together a strategic plan. Everybody in the system is v- involved, and they rely more and more on experts for analysis and ideas on specific aspects of the economy and social policy. But the third aspect of this, which is really interesting, uh, is is that at the end of the day, uh, this is still a political process, and it reflects China's current political dynamics in which uh, the Communist Party is have a more direct role in day-to-day affairs of governing the country, and a lot of authority is in the hands of Xi Jinping. And Xi Jinping and the people around him had the biggest impact on the substance of this plan and how it's going to be interpreted and implemented. Um, and of course, the party has always been in charge in China under the PRC, but its role has been magnified uh, since late 2012 when Xi Jinping came into power. And we see that in how this plan was put together. So in terms of substance, why is the 13th of these five-year plans important? And what uh, areas does Xi Jinping and the Chinese leadership choose to prioritize? The 13th five-year plan um, is coming at a time when China's economy has done extremely well over the last few decades, uh, but has been slipping uh, and and slipping badly. China's economy uh, looks impressive anytime you visit any city, when you look at uh, the new kinds of products that the Chinese are producing, et cetera. But this is an economy which, broadly speaking, is highly inefficient. It's not so inefficient in its use of labor, but it is particularly inefficient in its use of capital, which is, uh, and that efficiency has dropped dramatically in the last 10 years. And so in order for China to get to the next level, to become what the Chinese would like to achieve, which is a moderately prosperous society, basically per capita in- income, you know, somewhere between over, over 10,000 per year for everybody, very limited poverty, uh, where China goes from not simply being a, an assembler and manufacturer, but a, 
uh, much higher up in the value-added chain uh, across technologies uh, to much lower pollution and a stronger social safety net. The Chinese need to make their economy much more efficient, and they recognize that. And the core of this plan are efforts that the Chinese think are critical to making the economy more efficient. Now, for them, they've focused, I think, most of their energy in this plan on innovation. Innovation is the key word in this plan. And if you remember only one thing from this plan, remember its focus on innovation, uh, inventing new products, modifying existing technologies for new uses, adapting international technologies for a Chinese context. That's what they are trying to do first and foremost. And I think that's a very important goal. Um, and uh, they are putting the appropriate amount of attention on it. Now, whether or not they're actually going to implement policies that achieve greater innovation and achieve greater efficiency may be in doubt because the type of the way the plan discusses actually implementing policy to achieve greater innovation uh, sounds much more like traditional Chinese approaches to management of the economy and society uh, in which the state plays a very large role in determining who gets what. How does the content of this series of plans that, that tie into all these critical issues for China's uh, economic progress, how do those tie into other uh, socioeconomic uh, issue areas like social security or a social safety net, healthcare, and technology? This plan is meant to be comprehensive um, and covers many different areas. Uh, in addition in, in to trying to make the economy much more efficient directly by focusing on higher value-added uh, technologies and improving the efficiency of manufacturing. There's significant focus, uh, and I think, on, on the environment. And I think, actually, if there's any part of this plan which uh, you'd give a highest grade to, it, it'd be its treatment of the environment. Plans uh, have quantitative targets. Uh, the 13th five-year plan has 33 quantitative targets. Almost half of them, 16, are related to the environment. And each of those 16 targets are mandatory targets. The government and officials must meet those targets in order for their job performance to be graded credible. So, and, th and these targets are on every aspect of the environment from uh, increasing the efficiency of the use of energy, improving, in increasing the amount of coverage by forests, improving the quality of water, improving the quality of air. I think everybody is familiar with the phrase PM 2.5 in China now, which refers to the type of air particulate pollution that is so prominent. And this is the first time a national plan such as the five-year plan has included targets to reduce PM 2.5. So uh, it's quite impressive uh, in, a, on the, in terms of the environment. In addition, uh, there's a lot of attention to health care and the social safety net, expanding education, expanding access to quality health care and to um, expanding act pensions, et cetera, in many different areas. Now, in each of those areas, there's also a strong hand of the state still involved. Uh, but nevertheless, um, the, the substantive focus of the plan uh, makes a lot of sense in the core areas and in these other areas like the environment and healthcare. To the extent that this 13th uh, five-year plan is an indicator of policy direction, and implementation remains to be seen. 
Does it matter if China gets there? And how does this play into the broader issue that uh, observers of China's economy have been watching for quite a while with respect to state control and market forces and the balance between those? Terrific question. And one of the key issues in our analysis, um, substantively, in terms of what they want to achieve economically, this plan calls for a fundamental transformation of the economy and a rebalance away from heavy investment and export-led growth to one based on uh, uh, the manufacturing of of products much higher in the value-added chain, much more efficient economy, much broader social safety net. That all makes extremely good sense in in a fundamental rebalancing of things. The plan is much less clear in the rebalancing of the relationship between state and market in China. And by that, uh, Chris Johnson and I mean that I think everyone's aware that there's uh, that, ch- that government intervention is widespread in China and in many ways helped China grow, even though it's also generated a bunch of problems. But overall, it's been relatively functional. Uh, going forward, uh, it's likely to be less functional. Government intervention, when a country is at the edge of the technology frontier, and its financial system is more complex, government intervention oftentimes leads to more and more mistakes. And this plan recognizes the need to uh, increase the use of market mechanisms in many places in the economy. Uh, But it's less definitive and it's more incrementalist in its shift from state to market than it is on the substantive economic side. And so that worries us that China's going to, be able to reach these targets, but it may do so in a way that is still inefficient. So we may see a, chi- a China which is a much more of a technology powerhouse, but a very inefficient technology powerhouse where debt is still a significant problem that it hasn't resolved, where there are other types of inefficiencies that are visible in the economy. Now, the consequence for China is, is that that means it hasn't solved the fundamental problem that the plan originally had meant to re- identify and, and alleviate, which was inefficiency. For the rest of the world, it means that it's gonna, the rest of the world is going to have to absorb and deal with a, China's, a Chinese economy, which is much larger, uh, but still inefficient, where its products are being sold around the world at prices that may be uh, highly competitive for China, but where others are going to have a difficult time competing, uh, where everyone is going to ride the boom up with China, but also face challenges when Chinese economy slows down. So it has uh, important effects for not only the Chinese economy, uh, if the econ- if it's not more efficient, but for the for everyone else, including the United States. You mentioned outside observers and other you know, sort of participants in the Chinese economy, whether you're talking about investors or people trying to reach the Chinese market. What does the 13th five-year plan, from your perspective, what what do what should outside multinationals, for example, take away from the, the challenge? For the last uh, 38 years, China's political era has been called reform and opening, which has involved uh, gradually reducing the role of the state in certain areas of the economy and opening to foreign trade and investment. This plan continues that tradition to some extent by recognizing that China needs to open access to a variety of markets that have remained closed, 
uh, and improve the investment environment in China. So those are there in the plan, but they occupy a very small portion of the plan stuffed in the back of the plan. They're not a key priority. The, f the focus of the plan related to the global economy emphasizes the need to help Chinese companies export and invest abroad uh, in areas of higher technology, which is consistent with the overall transformation of the shift in the economy that the leadership is trying to achieve. And that is all good and well for China, but it, it doesn't directly expand market access to, to Chinese to the Chinese market. There are ways foreign companies can continue to benefit from China's market and from Chinese investment and trade abroad by partnering with Chinese companies, by feeding into the Chinese economic machine. But this is not a plan that is in the old style of opening China's markets to foreign uh, goods and investment. Foreign companies are going to need, multinational companies are going to need to compete and participate and cooperate with China around the world. And dealing with China isn't about just dealing with China in China. It's about dealing with it everywhere. Scott, if folks outside want to learn more about this specific 13th five-year plan or the process through which it's put together, where would you point them? First thing is we hope that everyone's had a chance to look at our report, uh, which is on the CSIS website. In addition, uh, we've built a website just for the 13th five-year plan where you can go learn about the drafting process of this plan, the history of other plans, the targets of this plan, some of the regional indicators. Not only does the central government write a five-year plan, but provincial governments and local governments write five-year plans as well, and we have some of that information on our website. We have some commentary from us and from China experts around the world who give their take not just on the plan, but on the state of China's economy as well, and you can find all of that on uh, CSIS.org. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks. The development of the 13th Five-Year Plan provides a fascinating window into the policymaking process in China, as well as national priorities. If you want to learn more, as Dr. Kennedy mentioned, visit fiveyearplan.csis.org. To see the efforts of the CSIS Ideas Lab and the Freeman Chair in China Studies, to add context to the study through data visualizations, video interviews, and analysis. That's our show. Thanks to Dr. Scott Kennedy for his insights. Audio editing for this podcast was done by Lauren Abuali. This podcast was written and produced by Jeffrey Bean. You can always find more at kajadeja.com and our new look website at csis.org. I'm Will Colson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>